Girlfriends, episode number 169, Easy Ways to Practice Mercy at Easter. Hello, and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about easy ways to practice mercy. You know, it's almost Divine Mercy Sunday at Easter time. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome. Glad you're here. Happy Easter. It feels like a scandal for me to say that right now because I'm recording and it's not Easter yet. But by the time you hear this, it will be. So happy Easter. I hope you've had a joyful celebration with family that you can make last for 50 days, right? We've talked about this before. Easter lasts for 50 days. So spread out the fun, as my husband would say. (laughs) We always talk about spreading out the fun for um, holidays and whatnot. And usually it's just a matter of making things a little more manageable for us. We started out actually saying that spread out the fun thing um, when the kids were smaller and it was like birthday celebrations and and the kids would have all these great expectations for what would happen on their birthday. And just, you know, survival mode, we'd be like, oh, we're going to spread out the fun. Like, we'll we'll have your cake on this day and, you know, grandpa will come over on this day. And we ended up, the kids would end up having like a birthday week. And then I found the opposite was true, that spreading out the fun kind of made things more exhausting. And my MO in recent years has been like, your birthday is on your birthday and everything happens that day. And then that's it. (laughs) So these are um, methods of survival that you learn when you're raising a larger than average size family. Um, Some people are way into the whole birthday party things. Um, So I'm going on an aside before I even dive into this week's topic. But um, I've heard from moms not too long ago uh, who were discussing on Facebook and then they sent me a question uh, about kids' birthdays. And I think maybe we took this up one time. I think one time we had a question from a mom here on the podcast about celebrating kids' birthdays. And it's so different for everyone, right? Families do these things differently. And it's the kind of thing that it can be easy to start comparing yourself to other people. And I thought about this this weekend because our youngest, Danny, got invited to a birthday party, which the invite was like, it's for these two hours and the boys can come over and play basketball in our driveway and we're going to have cake and ice cream. And please pick them up after two hours. <laughs> and I loved that because it sounded very doable to me. Like, oh, I could I could host a birthday party like that, you know, um, two hours on a Saturday afternoon. And Danny went and he had a blast. It was great. And nothing about it felt wrong. And I'm sure the birthday boy felt very special and honored to have so many boys come and play and hang out for a couple hours on a Saturday afternoon. Anyway, I don't know what my point is other than these things look different for everybody and we have different expectations of these things. And so spreading out the fun might make sense for you with regard to your kids' birthdays or making it all happen in one Saturday afternoon might be the best plan. Um, Anyway, it has nothing to do with anything except about spreading out the fun for Easter. I want to encourage you to think about the next 50 days. I know by the time we're on our day 48 and 49, it's going to feel like, what? It's still Easter? Are you kidding me? Especially because Easter is a little bit later this year. But today's topic I want to share with you is about spreading out the fun of Easter because Easter is a season that lasts for 50 days. I want to encourage you to think about ways that you can continue to celebrate Easter, especially through the practice of mercy during this Easter season. So the Sunday following 
Easter Sunday is Divine Mercy Sunday. I'm sure you've heard of this before. If you haven't, do yourself a favor and do a quick Google search and find out more about this great devotion to mercy. Divine Mercy Sunday, it really is the greatest day of the year. I mean, if you look at it liturgically speaking, okay, I, I'm biased. This is my opinion. Um, of course, Easter is the highest feast day, right? But Divine Mercy Sunday is such a wonderful opportunity to take advantage of Jesus's mercy. Like, pour it out upon us. We all need God's mercy. So it's a wonderful reminder of the goodness and generosity of Jesus and his ever-loving, ever-giving, most generous mercy that he pours out on all of us sinners. And we all need mercy. We do, right? I saw um, somebody on Facebook was sharing, it was one of those little memes that was like printed up nice. And it said something along the lines of, you know, being a good parent, and this was in particular a parent of teens, means, you know, expressing to your child that nobody needs mercy more than you do as the parent. And I thought that's a great and humble way to approach parenting. And it's so true that we all need God's mercy. We all need God's mercy. And Divine Mercy Sunday is a great opportunity to remind ourselves of that, but also to take advantage of some of the spiritual benefits of focusing on Jesus's mercy. So I think it was last year I shared with you all that um, when I went to the women's conference in Nashville, one of the other speakers there was Father Chris Allar. I'm not sure I'm saying his name right. It's A-L-A-R. I cannot remember how he pronounced it, but he was awesome and he was amazing. And um, I promised him he could come up to New Hampshire because he lives in Massachusetts in Stockbridge at the um, National Shrine for Divine Mercy. And I promised him that he could come up and go fishing with my husband on the lake because we were in the process last summer of getting a new boat. And I never did it. And I feel so guilty. So Father Chris, I'm sure he doesn't listen to girlfriends, but this is my public apology. And I'm going to be reaching out to him soon so that we can make that invitation actually happen. Anyway, Father Chris is the director of the Association of Marian Helpers in Stockbridge, Mass at the Divine Mercy Shrine there. And he shared with us then, I was already familiar with Divine Mercy Sunday, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, you know, all of that. Um, But What he shared with us was that, you know, the church teaches that you can get a plenary indulgence on Divine Mercy Sunday, you know, in the usual ways of, you know, receiving communion, going to confession, saying a prayer for the Pope and having this intention of receiving this plenary indulgence. Now, if all of a sudden this turned into Catholic talk to you and you don't know what a plenary indulgence is, that's okay. I'm not I'm not an expert on these things. Um, but an indulgence, the idea behind an indulgence is that the church teaches when you do certain devotions, certain prayerful practices that are good for you and show good intention on your part to receive these special graces that then you can be granted these special graces of being forgiven of your sins, right? Which happens in confession, of course, right? But whatever venial sins or whatever you have on your soul at that time when you make that that prayerful devotion to receive that indulgence is removed from your soul. But then also the effects of sin, right? What that the damage that it leaves, the the price that is due, right? We all know like about you you can um go to confession and you can say you're sorry for your sins, but 
there's still a mark that's left on our souls from those sins, damage that we've caused to ourselves, ways in which we still need to be purified and make reparation for the things that we've done wrong. Yes, they're forgiven, but there still are reparations that need to be made. Um, and maybe in ways that we won't fully understand here on earth and our human limitations. But anyway, so the idea behind an indulgence is removing that, right? And usually one of, and this is what Father Chris was really emphasizing at this conference where I heard him speak in Nashville last year, was that usually one of the requirements for receiving an indulgence is complete detachment from all sin. Uh, okay. I guess I'm never getting one, right? <laughs> because um, we're all attached to sin. We're all attached to sin. We're all sinners and we're all attached to different kinds of sins in different uh, kinds of ways with different levels of intensity, but we're all attached to sin, right? Having complete detachment from sin, that is a lofty, lofty bar to set, right? Um, so that can leave you feeling discouraged about the idea of ever getting an indulgence or receiving a plenary indulgence and doing it perfectly. But of course, don't let that discourage you from ever doing any of these prayerful practices because you can receive a partial indulgence if they're done imperfectly. But what Father Chris was sharing was that um, not in the plenary indulgence as it's described by the church, but in the promises that Jesus made to St. Faustina about those who would practice this devotion on Divine Mercy Sunday, there isn't that requirement to be detached from sin. That's just how good and merciful and all-loving Jesus is, especially on Divine Mercy Sunday. So he was really encouraging, and I came away like, yes, I am doing this. He was really encouraging of the fact that anybody can do this. You can do this. In our imperfect ways, um, we can practice this devotion to Jesus in the Divine Mercy on Divine Mercy Sunday. So I'll put a link in the show notes to people who might want more information about indulgences in general, but especially about the Divine Mercy Sunday indulgence that's available to you. Take advantage of this. Wonderful graces to um, have poured out upon yourself and upon your family. So um, shout out. Thank you, Father Chris. And your fishing invitation is coming soon. <laughs> All right. Got that out of the way. Um, so I want to talk about mercy and the ways in which we're not just called to avail ourselves of Jesus's mercy, but we're meant to practice mercy in our relationship to our fellow human beings, starting in our own homes and our families, right? Um, and so I thought, what a wonderful way to practice mercy is during the Easter season, during those 50 days of Easter. And I want to just share some ideas for different ways, looking at the works of mercy and ways in which we can practically use them. So, of course, there are the uh, spiritual works of mercy and the corporal works of mercy. This is turning into a class here today, right? <laughs> All these little things. If you are not Catholic or if you haven't brushed up on these things recently, this might sound a little foreign to you. But the church teaches that um, there's a list of seven corporal works of mercy, meaning bodily works of mercy that we're all meant to be practicing in our everyday lives, but giving thought to. These are these are things that we're called to put into practice in our everyday lives, and no better time to do it than during the Easter season. So I'm just going to go through the corporal works of mercy. This will be a little refresher course for you. And um, also just share some ideas for ways in which you might be able to do that, even in your own home, in your own family, in your own community. All right. So the first corporal work of mercy is to feed the hungry. 
Now, I always like reflecting on these corporal works of mercy as a mom because so much about what we do every day is exactly this, right? You're doing the grocery shopping. You're lugging the groceries in the house. You're preparing dinner. You're cleaning up the mess after dinner. Um, You're making your meal plans for the week. You're feeding your baby with your body sometimes, right? These are things that we just do. It's, It's an essential part of motherhood, providing sustenance for the people that God gives us to care for, right? So for sure, there are all kinds of ways to feed the hungry inside of your own home. But maybe you want to do something more. Maybe there's um, something more you could do in your community. I know one mom who does this with her kids, and all of these works of mercy are wonderful ways for you to do um, something wonderful together as a family. So um, there are some moms I know who make up sandwiches, and then they'll drive through the city and give them out to people who are on the street who are um, homeless or or are asking for money on the street. So you could do that, make up sandwiches, or even just, you know, buy a mega pack of granola bars and um, just walk through the streets somewhere where you know where people are needy and hand them out to people, Um, you know, or keep them in your car. This could be a great work of mercy that could be ongoing through the next few weeks if you just get um, a mega pack of some sort of snack bars or something and keep them in your car. And that way, when you're at a stoplight, We all know I live in the boonies of New Hampshire, and this still happens to me when I venture out into the city. Um, You know, when you stop at that stoplight and someone's there and they've got a sign and who knows if who knows what their situation is, but they probably could use uh, nutrition and you can feed them in that way. Um, Another thing that you might consider doing, and this is something I've given thought to and I feel so guilty because I've never actually acted upon it, um, is... Find out what is going on in your local grocery stores and even some restaurants with leftover food. In our culture, we waste so much food. It is absolutely unconscionable how much food we waste in our culture. Um, And it happens in our restaurants. It happens in grocery stores. It's happening right down the street from you. I promise you it is. And um, check with management. Maybe this could be a family project, something that kids would like to get involved in. Um, Check with management about what happens at the end of the day with the food that they have. Um, I remember years ago that my son actually um, was investigating this with our local Dunkin' Donuts. And I don't know if every Dunkin' Donuts has this policy, but they had a policy that at the end of the night, whatever donuts or muffins were left, bagels, whatever, they had to throw them away. No one was allowed to take them. They weren't allowed to give them away. They weren't allowed to bring them home. They weren't allowed to give them to the homeless. They had to be thrown out in the dumpster. Now, of course, this policy, I suppose, was to prevent people from who are working there from taking advantage of the system and, you know, making up an extra dozen donuts or something at the end of the night so they could take them home. I don't know. I'm sure there's a reason why they had this policy, but it just struck me and struck my son, too, as so completely wrong when there were people going hungry, when there were kids right there in that town going to bed hungry. Uh, Not that donuts are the best thing for them, but, you know, that's just an example. Um, Maybe investigate what's going on in your community, in a restaurant nearby, um, and and see if there's a way that you could arrange to pick up that food. I know that at our local grocery store here, there's a local pastor who does this with a group of people from his church. Um, and I see it happening when I go to my grocery store early in the morning. I guess that's when they do the pickup. Um, when you're there very early, you can see them. And they are just loading carts with like 
you know, produce that they need to take off the shelves. Not that it's gone bad, but it's a little bit past its prime and that's not what they want out. Um, other kinds of, you know, boxed goods that are near expiration or um, canned items that are dented or whatever. It's food that would otherwise be going to waste and they are picking it up and bringing it to the local food pantry. There might be a way for you to do something like that, but just ask some questions. And I think what a valuable thing to give your kids is that lesson that you can ask questions and you can find out what's going on in your local community and find a way to get that food to people who are hungry. And that's a wonderful way to practice that corporal work of mercy of feeding the hungry. Another thing that you might consider doing is putting together a little bit of a budget and involving your kids is great if you do this. And go to the grocery store and just shop for your local food pantry. Not a shopping trip that you're, you know, where you're planning meals for yourselves, but a shopping trip where you're going to get items that they need at the local food pantry and then drop it off on your way home. That would feel amazing. So just easy ways, right? Even if it's just spending $10, go to the store and, and buy what you can for that and, and drop it off, whatever it is that you can afford. Um, of course, there are lots of opportunities to volunteer maybe at a local soup kitchen somewhere where they're feeding the hungry or participate in a food drive of some sort. I know one family um, who did this, in fact, several families I've seen do this, that when they um, had a kid's birthday party, they asked people to bring an item to donate to the local food pantry rather than a gift. People also brought gifts. <laughs> That's just a thing. People want to bring gifts if you're hosting a birthday party. But it was nice because they had a, a nice little collection, a basket full of stuff to bring to the local food pantry afterwards. And it was a great lesson for the kids that it's not just about us. And there are people who could um, use our help in just getting fed. Um, one more way I have to mention, because so many moms listen to girlfriends, is Think about a mom in your life who might be able to use a meal. This is something people often do after a baby's born or something, but maybe there's a mom you know in your life who's going through a hard time. Maybe um, some kind of family stress, work stress, marriage stress. Maybe she's had a miscarriage. Um, what, what's going on in your friends' lives? Who might benefit from you bringing them a meal? Think about that and, and then make it happen. Don't just call up and offer it. Call up and say, could I bring you a meal on Thursday night this week? I'll have it there by four, you know, whatever. Be specific about it and make it happen. Another thing you might consider for a family like that, if you don't have the time or if you don't have, you're not confident in your culinary skills to bring over a meal is give them a gift card to a restaurant, a local pizza place or something. That might be a really welcome respite for a family that's going through something that might be hard. So those are different ways that you can feed the hungry. All right, next one, give drink to the thirsty. This is another one we moms do all the time. I, When my kids were younger, I couldn't believe how much time in my day I spent like giving out drinks, <laughs> just pouring water and juice into sippy cups, you know, pouring milk. Um, it just seems endless, right? Or the, the glass of water, the infamous glass of water in the middle of the night, right? Um, but yeah. And, and then, you know, we talked about having some sort of snack in your car to give out to the homeless that you might happen upon in your commute or your drive somewhere. Um, you could also keep bottles of water in in your car or, you know, pack a backpack full of bottles of water, walk through the street and give them out to people who might need them. It's a beautiful way to give drink to the thirsty. Um, I've also seen people do, and they involve their kids in this, of course, a lemonade stand that's for donations only and you're, you're giving the proceeds to some needy organization, right? Maybe an organization that provides clean water would be an appropriate one. Um, a creative way 
to give drink for the thirsty is one one of the pay it forward things you always hear, right? Paying for someone's coffee in line behind you at the drive-thru at Starbucks, at Dunkin's or wherever you're going. Pay for somebody else's coffee or, you know, purchase a gift card and, and leave it as a surprise for somebody. It doesn't have to be someone who's dying of thirst for it to be a, a generous act of mercy to give drink to the thirsty. Um, or you might see your neighbor outside working and bring them something cold to drink. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful gesture. We don't have neighbors here, so I don't have that opportunity. But I remember years ago um, when my husband was working for, um, he was teaching at a small Catholic boarding school here. He, his students in the summertime would, well, it wasn't just his students. It was people visiting the school and whatnot, would go on these long walks. And um, we live right near the school. So they would come through our neighborhood. And I saw they were doing this on a regular basis and the kids noticed too. So they put out a little stand with water for them and a little sign, you know, saying, hey, stop and have some water. And I thought that was really cute. And I think it was my kids who decided to do it. It wasn't me. Um, But maybe there's some opportunity you have to do that. Maybe there's a local um, charity run going on. And you could volunteer to be one of the people handing out water and, you know, do that deliberately as an act of mercy of giving drink to the thirsty. Um, Also, think about your local pregnancy shelters. Um, You know, everybody has one that's near them, a crisis pregnancy center of some kind. Uh, Maybe purchase some baby formula and, and bring it over there to them. That might be a really nice way to kind of practice that virtue of giving drink to the thirsty. Okay, so that's feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty. Moving on, the next corporal work of mercy is clothing the naked. All right, we got to go back uh, several episodes now to when we had Megan Ashley from Megan Ashley Styling on the show talking about how to clean out your closet. (laughs) I bet you have a closet with stuff hanging in it that you do not wear and you're never going to wear. And if you're honest, somebody else could wear it. Someone else could benefit from it. I think it was St. Martin de Pors who said the extra cloak hanging in your closet belongs to the poor. Good reminder, right? We all have extra stuff hanging in our closets. Even I do. And I went through that mega closet clean out back when I had Megan Ashley on the show. It just builds up in there. And whether you're shopping or not, I know that people give me clothing and that sort of thing happens. Or maybe you bought something for a special occasion and you wore it that one time and you're never going to wear it again. Someone else could benefit from it. So go through your closets. Go through your kids' closets. Um, Springtime's a great time to do that anyway. And just clear out what you're not using and make a donation of it. Not your ratty stuff, right? And good stuff. Make a donation of uh, clothing that other people might be able to use. Um, Another way to uh, clothe the naked is to, if you're a good shopper, put that to good use, not for yourself, right? Um, If your closet is overflowing because you can't resist a good deal at TJ Maxx or at a garage sale or wherever you buy these items, go ahead and indulge that kind of love that you have for finding a bargain. Um, And then give the stuff away. This is a great idea. I can't take credit for it. I saw it on a blog um, during Lent that someone was suggesting that you you can just you can still shop. (laughs) Just do it for other people. So maybe even set an allowance for how much you will spend um, and go into a store and buy things for other people and then make a donation of those nice new items for people who are in need. That's a beautiful way to clothe the naked. 
Again, this is another one that we moms are doing in our homes and our families all the time, right? <laughs> we're buying clothes for our children. We're changing the baby's diaper. Um, even, you know, caring for an elderly person often involves helping them to get dressed, these kinds of things. Um, but think about a creative way beyond the norm that you might be able to do that. You might want to host a, a clothing drive. Um, several years ago, I hosted um, with a group of friends a baby shower, but it wasn't for any particular baby. It was to be able to collect a number of baby items, clothing and blankets and hats and whatnot, to be able to donate to a, a local crisis pregnancy center. Maybe there's a way you could do that. It's fun to host a baby shower. And if you don't happen to have a, a someone who needs a baby shower in your life right now, what a great idea to do that. You could do it at your parish. And even people who aren't able to be present at the baby shower can make donations. I, I think that's such a great way to kind of gather together as a community and practice that corporal work of mercy of clothing the naked. Okay, our next corporal work of mercy is to shelter the homeless. Okay, you say the word homeless and you know there's a bunch of organizations near you where you could volunteer your time to help the homeless, right? We've already talked about ways to possibly feed the homeless and give drink to the homeless, but maybe think about a way that you can help one of those homeless organizations near you. If you have a homeless shelter near you, maybe give them a call and maybe you're not able to volunteer there on a regular basis, Give them a call and find out what needs to get done around there. Maybe they really need their floors cleaned. Maybe there's some basic maintenance that needs to be done on their property. Maybe landscaping. Maybe they need laundry done. It, find out if there's a way you could volunteer even just a couple of hours of your time to, you know, upkeep that organization, to, to help to keep them running, to support the work that they do in sheltering the homeless. Or you might want to think more internationally. There are so many international organizations with children in need that help to give shelter to families and to children in need. Um, you might think about putting together a care package for one of those organizations, something that would be, you know, something that would be a treat for those kids or a, a package of items that they need. There are so many that I'm not even going to try to list them, but um, find one that speaks to your heart. Find one that... Um, you feel a connection with and maybe consider putting together a, a bunch of gift items for that. I mean, sometimes it, it makes sense to just send money. And for sure, maybe many of these organizations actually prefer that. And if they do, that's something you should consider. But if it would feel good to you and it would be a good lesson for your kids in practicing that corporal work of mercy of sheltering the homeless, then maybe put together a package of something that you could send to children who are in need, who are perhaps living in an orphanage overseas. Um, another way to consider sheltering the homeless is through adoptions, through supporting adoption. Do you know a couple who's hoping to adopt? Then this is a great opportunity to participate in supporting them in that because, of course, adoption is the ultimate sheltering the homeless, right? Taking in a child into your own home. So find a way that you can support a couple that might be working to do that. It's great if it's somebody that you know, but maybe you don't know somebody. And through a little research, you could find out. Maybe ask your pastor. Um, maybe ask at your parish. Ask around if there's a couple that is looking to adopt and in what ways you could support them. It costs a lot of money. 
So maybe supporting them, maybe you would just kind of host a fundraiser or, you know, um, raise the money in some some way in your parish to be able to support a couple that is looking to adopt. Um, okay, so I said I wasn't going to name specific organizations, but I do need to name unbound.org because Unbound is an organization where you can sponsor a child um, or sponsor an elderly person in another country. And by, you know, making a pledge of just a certain amount per month, if you go to unbound.org, you can see all the different uh, options that are available to you there. But this is a wonderful, tangible way to teach your children about the very real ways in which we're called to help other people, not only in our own communities, but in the world at large. It's a great way to teach your children, but also remind yourself of the great need that exists in other countries, of the great blessings that we often take for granted living the way that we do in this country. So maybe consider sponsoring a child through unbound.org. I'll put the link in um, the show notes to that organization. Or maybe there's just an organization near you that benefits the homeless in some way. At my parish, um, they host a dinner once a week where they just invite everybody in. Everybody is welcome. That means a lot of people that are living on the street are, are coming in for a hot meal that night. Um, they're always in need of volunteers to help to serve the people at that dinner. There might be something similar going on in your parish or your community, or maybe you want to consider starting something like that, starting something um along those lines in your community, a way to serve the homeless. So that's the corporal work of mercy of sheltering the homeless. Okay, next one I want to mention is visiting the sick. So you might know someone in your own family who is older, who is ill, who is needy in some way, perhaps can't get out very often. This is a great opportunity. This is your nudge to call that person up and arrange to go and visit them. It's that simple. It's a, a work of mercy to visit the sick. Now, you might not know somebody who fits that description, but there might be somebody who is part of your parish. Every parish that I know of has an organization um, that enlists volunteers to visit people who are homebound, meaning they can't get out or it's hard for them to get out. Maybe you even know an elderly person who's pretty well, but they don't drive. Maybe you could offer to visit them, offer to bring them to an appointment, offer to bring them out shopping, offer to just bring them along on your own errands so that they get that kind of visit from you. Or going to visit them at their own home. Or you might consider going to visit people in the hospital or going to a nursing home. Um, because of my previous work, in a nursing home years and years and years ago. Um, I'm very familiar with the need in nursing homes for people to come in and visit. A lot of people come around the holidays, around Christmas time, some around Thanksgiving, but then it really drops off. So call up your local nursing home and see if they might not welcome you coming to just visit somebody. I guarantee you, because I worked as a program director in a nursing home, if you call up and ask to talk to their activities coordinator and ask who might be able to benefit from you just sitting and talking with them, you know, one afternoon or something or coming in and writing letters for them or coming in and reading to them or whatever it is, they have a list for you. I promise you. So um, that's a great way to visit the sick. Even it doesn't have to mean people who are dying, right? It can just mean people who are kind of um, stuck in their own places, whether in their own homes or um, in a nursing home or in the hospital. There are ways to do that. And most parishes have 
um, set up organizations to bring the Eucharist to people who are homebound in their parish community. My parents have volunteered to do this for years. And I really, I'm, I'm really touched by the stories that they share of the people they get to know. They wind up, you know, getting to know these people really well. Some of them who are really um, really older and really unwell. And then they they see them through the end of their lives. And what a beautiful ministry. Um, so you might consider doing something like that. Talk about, you know, doing God's work, bringing the Eucharist to people, bringing Jesus to people who might not otherwise be able to receive him. That's a beautiful way to uh, visit the sick, right? And one last way that you might want to consider if you just don't have the time to, you know, go and visit people in the hospital or in the nursing home is send something to somebody, you know, either anonymously or somebody that you know, you could send them flowers, you could send them a gift, you could send them a small little box of surprises. Um, And if you don't know of somebody to send that sort of surprise package to, ask your pastor Ask who's in the hospital that might be able to use a gift, even if they aren't going to share their name with you. Um, Maybe ask if he could, you know, if you could give him a gift to bring to that person. That's a really nice and fun way to put together a little surprise that would be a a little special visit for somebody who is not well. So that's uh, the corporal work of mercy is visiting the sick. All right. The next corporal work of mercy for us to consider is visiting the imprisoned. Now, prison ministry (laughs) I'm going to say is not for everybody. Not everybody is called to go into the prisons and, you know, read the Bible to them. Some people are, and I am so impressed with those people. In fact, I have this one woman in my life who just floored me when she shared that she just walked into her local prison men and asked if she could meet with them to talk about the Bible. And that's what she does. And um, first of all, my husband would never let me do that. So... (laughs) That's just that's just Dan. He's he will never let me go into the prison and and work with male prisoners. Um, but there might be a way that you could do that that would make sense for your life. Okay, um, just don't set the bar so high that you're going to say I can't even practice this um, this particular corporal work of mercy because you can you can do things like collect items for prisoners, right? You can collect Bibles. I know there's often Bible drives that are going on or other spiritual reading materials. We all have these things. I know I do. Gosh, and I've never actually before this moment thought that I should collect these things up and donate them to um, a local prison. Um, But, you know, religious items, booklets, um, you know, whether it's rosaries or little pamphlets describing different, you know, devotions or books, spiritual books that you've enjoyed, but you've read them and you're done with them now. What a great place to send them. Um, I don't know if something is set up at your local prison, um, but you might find out who the chaplain is and find a way to, you know, share those items with people who are imprisoned. And that doesn't involve you going there at all, right? You might also look into different organizations that deal with teenagers who are in trouble with the law, um, teenagers who maybe have been in like a juvenile detention center and are transitioning uh, back and who have troubled backgrounds or um, whatever is going on with them. You might look for a way that you could support that kind of organization, either physically with your presence as an active part of that ministry, but also ways in which you might monetarily um, support those kinds of ministries or ways you might supply materials for them. Um, or ways in which you might fundraise for them. 
just reach out to some of these organizations. Some of them already exist. You don't have to reinvent the wheel in order to visit the imprisoned. There are organizations in place. There are things going on in your own community. And a great place to start, if you don't know, would be to ask your own pastor, because he's probably involved in some kind of ministry to um, a, a nearby prison. Or if he's not, he knows who is, and he could let you know the ways in which you can be supportive of that ministry, visiting the imprisoned. I think it's one that we don't think about often enough, that, um, you know, those people are kind of outside of the lines of our communities, of our societies, of our families. And um, we're, we're called. This is a corporal work of mercy. We're called to visit the imprisoned. So give some time to thinking about ways in which you might be able to visit the imprisoned, even if it doesn't mean actually going into the prison and being actively involved in a ministry in that way, if that's daunting to you. Um, ways in which you might be supportive of other ministries that are serving the people in your community who are imprisoned. All right, the last corporal work of mercy is burying the dead. This is a really interesting one to give thought to, especially during Easter time of resurrection, right? Um, but one of the corporal works of mercy is burying the dead. So this can involve a number of different things, one of which immediately comes to mind, of course, is attending, you know, a wake or a funeral. If there's someone you know who has died, even someone you know just a little bit who died, you know, attending the wake or funeral can be a huge source of support to their family during a time of loss. Um, but also it can be a great reminder to you to pray for that person and that leads me to my next suggestion, which is to pray for the people in your life who have died, even many, many years ago. I know that, you know, Dan's side of the family, for the most part, is not Catholic. So the family members on his side of the family who have died don't have a lot of people praying for them and probably didn't when they died, right? Because this is a Catholic practice of praying for our dead. Um, so maybe think about people in your life, in your family who have died and um, spend some time in prayer, in offering up for them. That can be all part of that corporal work of mercy of burying the dead. So there are ways that you can do that. Um, another way is to, once again, connect with your pastor and find out um, if there's a group in your parish that helps to supply food for funeral services, I know at one of our local parishes, it's the Ladies Guild that um, this is part of what they do. This is part of their ministry is they will provide food after funerals. So um, there might be like a funeral luncheon is generally what people do and they supply the dishes for it. Maybe there's a way you could just cook a casserole and bring it over. Find out who's doing that sort of thing in your community and a way in which you might be able to be a part of that. Um, so that's another way that you can help to bury the dead, just bringing a dish over, even if it's not in a formal way through, you know, an official funeral luncheon, maybe find out, if, you know, if there's a way you can support the grieving family in that way in your community. Or there might be a widow or a widower that you know, even if they've been widowed or a, for a long time, there may be a need for them to have someone come visit them or do some yard work or something else that they might need done around their house, look for a way that you can do that. Supporting somebody who has been widowed is a beautiful way of practicing that corporal work of mercy of burying the dead. You might also um, consider giving to an organization. I know there are a few different ones that I know of um, that offer 
Catholic burials to people who are unable to afford one. Ask your pastor if there's something along those lines. Um, and that could be a way that you can support financially this corporal work of mercy of burying the dead. And then, of course, I have to mention 40 Days for Life because they're the group, if you saw Unplanned, the um, pro-life movie, I hope it's still in theaters by the time this podcast comes out. If you haven't, go and see it and support that movie. Um, really a powerful pro-life message in that movie based on Abby Johnson's life. Anyway, if you have the opportunity, do go and see that movie and support it in whatever way you can, because it's such an important message. I think it was done really well. I was actually surprised by how well it was done. I went in with low expectations for like a cheesy Christian movie. And um, I was really impressed. And I and I came away really inspired as already, of course, I'm a pro-life person, but inspired in the ways that perhaps I can be helpful in my own community. And one of the organizations that is prominently featured in the movie is 40 Days for Life, which was started by Sean Carney um, years ago. I don't know how many years ago, but anyway, you can go to 40daysforlife.com and get all the information about it. But it really is an organization committed to praying outside of abortion clinics, not protesting, not holding up gross signs, not screaming at people, but really praying for um, unborn children, for respect for unborn life and praying for women in need. Um, find a way that you can prayerfully support your local um, 40 Days for Life chapter, or if that doesn't exist, look for what does exist, because I promise you something does in your community that you can be a part of. You could commit to praying for 40 days at your local abortion clinic, but that's not for everybody. Not everybody is prepared to be a sidewalk counselor or um, be publicly protesting in that way, but you can support these kinds of efforts with prayer in your own home. And that can be a way of burying the dead or supporting an organization that helps women to recover from abortion, um, helps women to find healing and mercy. What a beautiful act of mercy that is. There might be an active way you could participate in such an organization or even just monetarily consider supporting that kind of organization. I just want to encourage you to think about ways in which you can participate in these things, because sometimes we think burying the dead is just the physical act of <laughs> digging a grave, right? But it's not that. It's this beautiful act of mercy. It's a beautiful part of our human relationships with one another is being a part of that process, helping people to grieve and being supportive through that process and praying for people who have died. Okay, so those are the corporal works of mercy. I'm going to run through them just as a refresher here at the end. Feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, and bury the dead. I just want to encourage you that in these next 50 days, as we celebrate the season of Easter, which truly is a season, look for ways that you can be an active living example of Jesus's mercy here on earth. Look for practical ways to involve your kids in that process, to do it together with your husband. Look for ways that you individually could challenge yourself to grow in some of these areas because we're all meant to be practicing mercy. And the Easter season is a beautiful time of year in which to do that. All right, if you wanna share with me some ways in which 
you have practiced mercy or are planning to practice mercy in the coming weeks, I would love to hear from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can always leave a comment on the show notes at ascensionpress.com. You can connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on all social media or email me a voice memo that you record on your phone. I would love to be able to add your comments, your ideas, your suggestions, and your questions to a future episode of Girlfriends. We're going to take a little break and I'll be right back. Reading the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do. But let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, the Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people, the thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible. If you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Okay, now it's the time of the show where I share a little bit of feedback from other listeners. And um, this week, I wanted to share a short email that I received um, this past week from Christian. And Christian wrote... Hey, Danielle, I honestly find your podcasts helpful. I found your podcast on Spotify under Catholic in the Search. I'm a devout young man who lo- who loves his faith, who is discerning my vocation. I found your episode on 12 ways to boost your energy. Very helpful. I struggle with anxiety, depression, and stress. Thank you, Danielle, your brother in Christ, Christian. Thank you, Christian. I really appreciate the fact that you will admit that you listen to Girlfriends, first of all, and that you find it helpful. Um, I find that encouraging because, um, you know, we love it when our male listeners will admit they listen. Uh, Our favorite, David, who has left us voicemail before, but then others have kind of sheepishly let me know on the side at conferences and whatnot while their wife is talking to me that they've listened to Girlfriends. And of course, you know, the title of the show is Girlfriends. So mostly I'm expecting that women are going to be listening. But I'm so encouraged by the fact that men do listen and that they're willing to offer their feedback and that they find some of the things we share here helpful. Maybe if only getting to know the female psyche a little bit better, <laughs> because for sure we, we cover it all here. Right. Um, but anyway, thank you, Christian. Thank you for reaching out and thank you for your supportive and encouraging note. And um, like I let you know in my email reply, I am going to be praying for you. And I just wanted to invite all of the Girlfriends community Please to pray for Christian um, for the various struggles that he's going through, especially as he's discerning his vocation. Pray for God to give him peace and to give him strength and to give him clarity about his future. Hey, Danielle. I uh, hope you're doing well. I just finished listening to uh, the podcast, um, the one about meditation, where you talked about that for a little bit. And I just wanted to... um, to tell everybody that I have the hollowed app and, um, I've used it. I like to use it at work. I pray the, um, the rosary in the morning while I listen to it. Um, and then, um, every now and then I don't do this a whole lot, but, um, 
I'm a single parent and both my kids uh, sleep with me and sometimes they get a little wired up when we go to bed. And uh, I have found if maybe once a week, I will turn that on and it sort of helps wind them down. Not always all the time, but I'll just do like one of like the daily gospel or something. And I I used it about two nights ago and the boys actually kind of, they did simmer down and they listened to it. So, um, but yeah, I love the app. Um, I've been using it, I think for about two months now. My diocese had posted it on our Facebook, uh, on their Facebook page, and that's how I found it. So I hope you're doing well. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for that feedback, Melissa. I love that you have the Hallow app and that you're enjoying it because, you know, back when I recommended it, I was just getting started using it. So back in that episode about um, ways to boost your energy, where I mentioned meditation as a possible way to do that and mentioned the Hallow app. So Hallow, H-A-L-L-O-W, look for it in wherever you get your apps. And um, I, I honestly cannot recommend this app enough. I cannot. It is truly a wonderful spiritual tool. And I've used it even more so since the first time that I mentioned it. And I'm trying to make it a daily habit. I'm not quite there yet, um, but I'm trying to make it part of my daily prayer routine. And there have been times where I am actually feeling really stressed about something. And I think, you know what? I need to just spend 10 minutes in meditative prayer. And I know what will help me to do that, my Hallow app. And it for sure has this wonderful way of just bringing you back into God's presence and giving you the peace that can only come from that. So I really do recommend it. Um, You know, people hear about meditation sometimes and they're like, "Uh, no, that's like a new agey thing. I'm supposed to stay away from that. Not so. Meditation has a beautiful Catholic history and um, is actually a beautiful Catholic spiritual practice. Praying the rosary is meditation, as Melissa mentioned. So that's part of the Hallow app. You can use it for praying the rosary, but you can also just use it for guided meditations um, from five minutes to 10 minutes to 15 minutes. You can control how long you use it. There are different themes that you can use. Um, I really do recommend that you check it out. I mentioned before that it is a paid app, um, but you can check it out with a free trial, I think, for a limited time. Um, so definitely I'm going to have that linked in the show notes for people who want to check out that Hallow app based on my recommendation, but also on Melissa's. And I love that you're using it with your kids, Melissa. What a great idea and what a great way to introduce them to the power of meditative prayer. And the, the beautiful gift that is to your kids is absolutely invaluable. So thank you for that, Melissa, and happy Easter to you and your kids. I was happy to hear some birds in the background, too, on that voicemail. (laughs) Birds from Indiana. I think that's where Melissa is located. So that's the power of podcasting, right? We can all hear um, each other's stuff. So if you want to leave a voicemail like Melissa did, she connected with me on Voxer. Of course, you can leave a voicemail just recording it on your phone and emailing it to me, danielle at daniellebean.com. But an even easier way, if you use that app, Voxer, to leave voice messages for people, is to connect with me on Voxer. And the link to connect with me on Voxer is always in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. And that's it for today. I just want to one last time wish you a happy Easter. Well, no, it won't be the last time. We're going to be doing this for 50 days, remember? (laughs) But thank you for being here. Thanks for always showing up. I'm so encouraged by the fact that you listen to everything that I share here. I'm always encouraged by your feedback, but even more important than that is just your showing up. Just your being here truly is a gift to me and to others who are part of the Girlfriends community. So thank you for that. Thank you for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 